Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Again, back to cause mayhem. Yeah, old reliable's here. <laughs> old reliable. And again, again, here you are with the incredible T-shirts. That looks like a velour T-shirt. Uh, I don't know what material it is, but <laughs> I liked it. I was like, no one's wearing this shit. I'm like, I'm gonna wear this shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, seeing as though it's just me and you, the show has started. By the way. We are going to crack on with basically the hot topics of the moment. You're going to pick two. I'm going to pick two. You know what? No rehearsal. Straight into it. I'm coming in hot with this one. Now, for me, it was with great disappointment. You know, great disappointment that I read earlier today that, you know, a UFC legend to me, Mm. Chuck Liddell, had been thrown in the pen, basically, for domestic violence. Now, this follows on from John Jones' recent stint in the pen for domestic violence. Luis Pena, stint in the pen for domestic violence. Now, there is obviously a theme here in that these three men are, you know, I suppose under the, 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 the watchful eye of the UFC, whether it be because they have um, fought in the UFC, whether it be that they are closely aligned, I'm talking Chuck Liddell and Dana White with the UFC. I'm starting to see something here which needs attention because it seems to be a recurring theme with fighters and fighters and domestic violence seems to be a recurring theme. Now, I may be speaking out of turn here, and this is where you and I are going to probably get into it, but I do think there does need to be a duty of care brought about by the UFC, especially that we are seeing a spate of domestic violence examples. The duty of care would be to step in in some way, shape, or form and offer support. Now, so far, nothing said by the UFC by way of support, as in how they are going to assist these fighters. Obviously, um, they do need some kind of help. They do need therapy. They do need some assistance. Am I speaking out of pocket in that 
in doing that, surely it lets the fighters off the hook. Or do they have a duty of care, considering that a lot of people are starting to say the same thing, that CTE may be at play here, and it's as a direct result of their job? Kyra May, am I speaking out of pocket? I think we're allowing for a little bit of like, I feel like we're letting them off the hook by going the whole CTE route, because Last time I checked, you didn't need to be in fighting. You didn't need to be in athletics. You didn't need to be a part of anything that's physical to put your hands on a woman. There's people who have done it and they've been the least athletic. There's people who have done it and they've been the most athletic. It's an entire spectrum of abuse. And mm-hmm. I think that just like, I feel like that's always just giving them like, oh, the, the boys will be boys type of line. And the, oh, it's the CTE type of shit. It's like, first of all, there's no guarantee that we know that. Secondly, and so what? He still did what he did. There's a lot of fighters who are dealing with brain injuries, who are dealing with trauma to their head, who aren't putting hands on their significant other. I, yeah. And I, I don't want to make it come off to make it seem like, oh, I, he's guilty no matter what, but, but I don't know. Like, I don't know. But I'm just saying it just doesn't look good. And the, it's just a pattern of this behavior. And it's a pattern of the blame being shifted because of this behavior or this or this, um, let's not look at the current issue. Let's look at what led up to this type of like mentality that I don't really like in um, MMA sphere. And it's it's really strange because there are blueprints on how other sports have tried to deal with these issues. And the UFC hasn't taken any steps to like emulate anything other organizations are doing. And it's just, exactly. it's just weird. But let me just unpack the support that I'm talking about. Sometimes you do have to be cruel to be kind. These are heinous acts, regardless of who it's coming from, whether it's an ex-fighter or a current fighter. And you're right, let's not absolve responsibility by saying, well, maybe the UFC should step in and do something, but the UFC should not be standing idly by, standing silent, standing with um, nothing but... uh, placating word we'll see how this thing plays out which seems to be the kind of like go-to line how's about the support which i'm talking about is to allow these athletes and we're talking violent bob ross and john jones to step away from the limelight to step away from the ufc to actually take a leave of absence whilst they get their shit together whilst they get the form of support that they so badly need. That would be a great idea, but I'm just saying it's not going to happen. The UFC has allowed legitimate murderers to compete while they are facing charges. Like Desmond Green was in a car collision because he was driving while intoxicated, killed like two or three people, fought two or three times in the off time of the charges being uh, rendered to him going up to the court case and there's still, I think the case is still open. So it hasn't been settled, but he was able to compete in the UFC for three times during that process. And then finally they were like, all right, let's cut ties. This isn't looking good. And so now he's fighting overseas or some shit like that. And I'm just like, we can hope for, we can hope for better, but I don't want to come off as just, I don't want to come off as negative, but I just don't see a scenario where the UFC gets their shit together unless they have a new face of the company or unless they make some major changes because it's just going to remain the status quo. It seems like the UFC is like a police department. It's like, all right, we'll check our issues with our people and we'll get back to you with that. Okay. 
Well, let's just imagine just my final gambit here. Let's just imagine your UFC PR. What would be your game plan, considering we're talking about Bob Ross now, considering we're talking about John Jones? How would you actually PR that away? How would you actually handle that? Um, with John Jones' shit, like, I'm sorry if this is going to hurt y'all, but I would cut him. I would straight up cut him. I would straight up cut him. Yes, he's the biggest, winningest, whatever, but there has to be consequences for your actions. You can't keep letting people get away with this shit. The NBA has fucking suspended people for entire seasons. The NBA has banned people. The MLB, like, banning, suspending, cutting, all of that is normal it's some strange reason why the ufc refuses to normalize penalizing people in that way for some strange it's like okay what else can you possibly do you can't allow them to keep making a living you can't let them do what they've been doing because it doesn't work especially with violent bob Ross. like i believe this is like the second charge of domestic violence he's had within a calendar year it's like bro no you we're not letting you fight we're not letting you think about fighting for us at least for now and John Jones, you've had a million and one chances. This, you're not going to get a million and two chances. I'm sorry at this point. I think they need to start just cutting people. And then if they get their shit back together, then we'll talk about considering you returning. But even then, it's still like, I don't even think you should be permitted to fight again, to be honest. It's just the shit that you just keep doing. That's just me. You see, thinking like a UFC PR executive, I'd say we are suspending you from the UFC whilst we're going to allow you to get the support that you so badly need. But again, in a kind of cunning and conniving way, it basically gives some breathing space in terms of the UFC and its story to blow over. So then they come back when everything is all smooth and hunky-dory. Then the UFC is seen to be doing something tangible, doing something which is not just waiting for it to play out whilst these are still independent contractors in their employ. Um, I do think there does need to be some kind of uh, some movement, but I think you're right. I mean, what effectively will happen is nothing. The status quo will be maintained and, you know, the UFC will just wait quote unquote, as they always say, until this thing just plays out. That's why I don't think you should just settle with this with the suspension, because it's almost like how USADA will give people retroactive suspensions. It's like, okay, great. You failed and this is an off a lull period in between fights for you. So we'll just run it like that, won't say anything. And then when it's time for you to fight, we'll be like, hey, X, Y, and Z, your suspension is served. Time to compete again. That's why I just I don't fuck with the suspension type of thing. Cause it's like doesn't do anything and it doesn't send the right message and it's like you're just reaffirming the behavior that they can just do whatever they want and you you can't people are just going to continue to take advantage of that and cross the line i think at a certain point you just have to be like even john jones got fucking cut who the fuck do you think you are you know what i mean mm. i feel like that would set the message You'd be like holy shit like i actually have to be a decent person I have to actually not hit my girlfriend, not hit my wife. Like, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I've done that one to death. I'm going to put my uh, my uh, my six shooter back in the holster until uh, your next one is is, is over. I'm uh, going to ready mine whilst you do that.
take it away. What you bring to the table? What's your number one that you bring to the table this week? First of all, the UFC has got to stop enabling people who can't make the weight. Time and time again, we see people missing weight, still fighting, collecting performance bonuses, missing weight, still fighting, winning, moving up in the rankings, missing weight, can't make the fight, then being rewarded a main event slot in the next week? How? How is Aspen Lab being rewarded this way? How can you sit there and be scheduled to fight for 135 pounds? You miss... And it's not the first time you missed. It's not the second time you've had trouble making it. There has been a long documented history of you not being able to make the weight that you sign up for. And now in this case, you are rewarded for, for missing the weight with a main event slot against Norma Dumont. How make it make sense to UFC? Why is it that we rewarded someone who can't even do the bare minimum over someone who has fought at 145 pounds? who actively is seeking challenges at 145 pounds, who could make the weight, who is ready physically? That is my question for you. How do we rationalize rewarding cheaters? Easily. She comes in with a storing line. She comes in with a big mouth on her. She comes in there with the guts and chutzpah that they look for in a fighter. They want intrigue. They want beguilement. They want somebody who's actually going to weave a story. They want someone who you're either going to love or hate. And look at you, Kairos. You are lapping this up. You are basically saying this woman is not deserving. You are so emotionally invested in seeing this woman not fight. That is what they're looking for. They want emotional attachment. They want you to be having some kind of feeling either way. And to be fair to her, not that I agree with her being rewarded, she does just that. Because like I say, look at you, hear yourself, the passion in your voice, you care about what actually happens. You can see an injustice being played out here and you don't like it. And the UFC like that because you are emotionally involved. This would be a valid point if she had shown herself to be dependable. She has not been dependable at 135 pounds. We don't know how big she's going to blow up in between this time. And we're assuming that she's going to make 145 pounds. If she shows up this Saturday and does not make weight, then what? That gamble of, oh, we're trying to put someone in a position that you at least feel an emotional attachment with, whether it's positive or negative, blows up in your fucking face. Now you ain't got a main event again on short notice on a whack-ass card already. What they gonna do now? What they gonna do, Mike? Sometimes, sometimes you don't need to gamble. Sometimes the safe bet is the better bet. This is a gamble if I ever seen one in my life. The UFC is underpinned by a gamble. It was raised in a gamble. It still is an ongoing gamble. All of the chips that Dana White has stacked up in terms of major players, personalities, those people who we have an attachment to have been a gamble. Connor has been a gamble. John Jones has been a gamble. GSP has been a gamble. Dana White is a gambler. So why don't you think that this theme of gambling is going to be cut overnight, is not going to play out, is not going to be a recurring 
part of the brand management of not just the company, but its employees, sorry, independent contractors. It's all a gamble. The whole thing is a gamble. Man, fuck you. <laughs> fuck her too. <laughs> uh, you're right. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you could go with your next topic. I'm mad. Okay, my next one is this. I'm intrigued because in the UK, I'm not sure if you know this, October is typically Black History Month. Happy Black History Month for everybody who's observed this in the UK. Now, I know you guys, our cousins across the pond, have your Black History Month in February, right? Mm -hmm. But I wanted to ask you, from a US perspective, who would be your top five Black athletes in the MMA bubble? Now, for me, just picking some off the top of my head, which in a recent article, which people can actually see if they visit wotv.com. I have picked Jimmy Manua, Paul Daly, Dominic Wooding, Jude Samuel. And just whilst I recollect who the last one was, I want you to have your top five ready because I, I feel as though our black athletes over here aren't actually celebrated at all. Mm. And who better than Woe TV to actually put this together in terms of the black athletes who should be actually acknowledged. Leon Edwards is up there as well. So those are for me, as I sit here today, talking about black athletes, UK athletes, who should be acknowledged and who should be exalted in, um, well, when you think about UK mixed martial arts. But um, I wondered, from your perspective, who you feel the top five uh, UK mixed martial arts black athletes should be in. Oh, UK. From your perspective. Yeah, it's got to be UK. Because okay. obviously we're observing Black History Month in yeah. the UK. When well, February rocks that. around, I'm going to bring this topic up again and we're going to do this again. But for now... UK athletes. Lerone Murphy. Leon Edwards. I don't want to copy your list. Is this is a dumbass question, but I'm gonna ask it. There are no Go other questions. Go on. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not asking. No, you have to ask now. You started, so you're going to finish. Go on. <laughs> come on, come out with hey, it. Asking the question answers the question. Go on, then. <laughs> no, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm not, You know, fuck it. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. It's just, Let, let's go. Is G... Is G... No. Is, like, is G? I was going to say, is GDR considered under the UK banner because she's Dutch? But she's Dutch, so she's not. So that's why I was like... That answers your question. Exactly. But so I was like, I'm not... Good, good try. Good try. Mm. 
whilst you're uh, actually yeah, contemplating, I was about to say Fabian in. I was gonna say Jimmy Manu. I was thinking about American black people, and then when you said okay. that, I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> I had no like. Yeah, you know, I, I always forget about this supreme athlete, this specimen of an athlete who is actually from these shores, but you wouldn't think of it the way that people talk about him. Alistair Overeem. He was born in Hounslow. Did you know that? No, I thought he was Dutch too, so that's why I didn't say him. After yeah. I answered, the, I was like, I was like, definitely can't say Overeem. <laughs> I, I always forget about him, but that was my segment. That was my segment. So to round things out, your final, your final item that you've got in your docket, which you're bringing to the table this week. I think the UFC is doing themselves a disservice by doing these three things. The first one is having an event every single weekend. I think at a certain point, it's going to overwhelm your audience that actually tunes in to watch every single weekend. Secondly, I think the other issue that they have currently is the pay-per-view price. It's at $69.99, I believe, right now. Yeah. It is at $69.99 currently. And they are struggling to put over 500000 in unless you are a main stake in the company with name power. With name, And we're talking about a sport that has international ripples. I feel like the UFC could do a lot better job with just pricing the pay-per-views better. It would mm. result in them making just as much money, if not more, and selling more as well on top of the required 500000 that ESPN has to buy each event anyway. Mm -hmm. I think the price could be i feel like the price would be a lot more comfortable for people and a lot more people buy it if you put it in the 30 to 40 dollar range mm -hmm. especially if you have a ufc fight pass and espn plus subscription why the fuck am i subscribing to two streaming services and i gotta pay full price for your shit and the shit will lag out and the shit will shut off and fights be before and after a certain event will not show up on certain apps like for example if i want to look back and watch a fighter's career two three years ago it will not pop up on espn plus the fuck am i paying you for but it'll be partially on fight pass and then certain things aren't on fight pass that are on espn plus yeah. and on so and on it makes zero sense for you to have two separate streaming entities and you to do this and charge people. it just why and the last thing that i think that i have for the ufc is this i think that the poster people need to be rotated in i'm not saying you should be firing people i'm not saying that you should be high but what i am saying is you should say i think you should work on this poster and two months from now's poster versus you having the same people doing the same exact posters every single weekend because i don't know if anybody has noticed this but i noticed this early on there's templates to different styles of posters it's yeah. literally carbon copy templates it's like when i go into a software and i look at the templates whether it's powerpoint whether it's video editing whether it's pick i i look and i'm like this feels like a template every single time it lacks it lacks inspiration it lacks creativity no let me rephrase that it could be a lot more creative and it could have a lot more inspiration in it and there are way too many talented people out here not working for major companies and not being able to build resumes that way that you could be talking to. And that being said, I think that asking these things of the USC is not a big deal. I feel like this isn't a tall order. I feel like people are going to make this seem like it's going to be a tall order. But me personally, I think this is the bare fucking minimum. And it's going to help them.
Mm. But what do you think? Am I being selfish? Am I being like, yeah, I think I'm right on this one. I don't know. No, I think you're you're being, um, how can I put it? You're trying to shoehorn um, brand guidelines into already established means by which they create content. They create content on a almost puppy mill basis in that they're forever churning out events, forever churning out posters. Just taking your first point first about the events, I thoroughly agree with them actually going week in, week out, saturating the timeline, saturating our lives with UFC content because they have people on their roster who they have to actually keep busy. That's the first thing. Second thing is this, you have brand stewardship, brand domination, and you have complete share of the market. When you keep on serving up content, that's what they do by consistently, week in, week out, almost week in, week out, serving up content. When will it ever get to a situation where we talk about Bellator being the number one promotion? I tell you when, never. How you assert your dominance, how you apply yourself and keep that share of the market is to do exactly what they've been doing since day dot. Making their brand shine bright by continually putting it in people's living rooms. That's the first thing. Secondly, you talked about the creativity around the posters. There are so many creative people on the net. Boss Logic, Dave Fretz, Needing Art. These are geniuses. These are savants. These are people who are at the epitome of their trade, but will never get a look in because, again, it's about brand guidelines. When you talk about templates, as somebody who's worked as a brand custodian uh, in another organization, that is your job to make sure the brand guidelines are adhered to so that you have a cookie cutter style that nobody detracts from. Even if you get outside talent in to put together posters, you have brand guidelines which the creative team adhere to, and that is exactly what's going on there. You talk about templates. That's what brand guidelines are. Templates by which you and I receive that brand. Now, when I talk about the brand, I'm not talking about the logo. I'm talking about the feeling, because that is what a brand is, the feeling that I'm left with when I look at a product's merchandise when i look at um the assets that a a, a brand puts out there or a, a a company puts out there assets which we are talking about now being posters those assets have a certain attachment to my feelings when you see a ufc poster you know immediately it's a UFC poster, because you've seen connotations, sorry, permutations of that setup, layout, construction before. This is brand guidelines and the way that you serve them up 101. Give people what they're familiar with, 
that attaches feelings to your brand. That's what the UFC do. And I think they should retract from that. I think, I'll give you an example. I was talking to people in spaces a few months ago and they were like, do you remember the Pride posters? Mind you, I wasn't watching Pride when it was airing. I had to go back and watch it when I became a fan. Mm. I was like, go. So I didn't remember the posters. I don't know. And they started showing me some of these posters. And I was like, these are posters they could release today, except for the one with like the semen dripping down on that one was just a little too much. I was just like, stop. <laughs> but there was, that was just like a little too much. But like, there were other ones that I was just like, okay, like this is valid. It doesn't always have to be your fighters in front of the ship. Like, the, like yeah, sure, you, you can show off the fighters. Yes, yeah, sure, you can. But there was just, I feel like when you only stick to a template, you're marginalizing like, creativity you're uh, you're essentially saying this is a framework that has been proven to work let's not detract from this whatsoever mm. and only do this mm. at a certain point in time you have you gotta you gotta change things up whether it's you throw in the occasional all right do whatever you want with this poster or the occasional maybe let's let's tweak something different with this don't only do that one thing add on to it, it doesn't always have to be by subtraction you can have an additive in the equation but that's just me I hear you. I hear you. But like I say, we're looking at an organization which is a brand. It's a strong brand. Within that brand, you have brand guidelines. So it looks as though we've done a whistle-stop tour in terms of what we've brought to the table in terms of talking points. I think it'd be kind of remiss of us to not go by and quickly have a candy through what we're looking forward to, who are the runners and riders this coming weekend as the UFC trundles round again, much to your point. Mm. Uh, Lad versus Dumont. Um, what am I talking about? It's not Lad versus Dumont. We just, we just, we just, we just talked about this. Um, obviously, we've had. Is. Sorry, isn't it? Isn't this weekend Lad versus Dumont? You know what? This is this 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 is this is to your this is to That's your the point. point. That's your point. I'm getting so mixed up. You're right. This coming weekend is Aspen Lad uh, versus uh, Norma Dumont. Now on that card, I'm not going to lie. I'm only interested, and um, I'm only looking out for one fight and one fight only because. Let's not, you know, make too, uh, well, let's not skirt around the issue. This isn't the strongest card, is it? I'm looking forward to seeing Ramazan and Amiv take on the UK's own Danny Roberts, only because I've got a a, a, a certain kind of like uh, affinity to um, Danny Roberts or mm. a closeness to Danny Roberts. In the run-up to uh, Mike Perry, um, versus Danny Roberts. I followed him on Fight Week. I did a behind-the-scenes um, documentary leading up to that clash, and he was just on top form. He was great. He had wicked energy. Being ensconced in that camp and being in the locker room and being um, at each and every time that he came down um, to actually work out in the run-up to that, because as I say, I did the whole fight week with him. 
there was an emotional attachment, there was an emotional bond. And we did lots and lots of content, not just video, but audio as well. And um, he opened up to me about, you know, some real um, travesties in his life. You know, he was abused as a child and it was like, man, this guy is just so real. So ever since then, I've had an emotional attachment to him. And seeing him way back in uh, uh, 2016 uh, get, you know, his, 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 uh, his clock cleaned by Michelle Pereira, um, not only you know, made a fan out of me for Michelle Pereira, because that was a spectacular performance, but, you know, it gave me a, a deeper appreciation of Danny Roberts as a warrior, because he subsequently came back and uh, laid out Zalim Imadeov uh, with, um, it was a spectacular punch, uh, spectacular win in 2019. So that's a long-winded way of saying that I will be watching quite keenly and for that particular reason, because I'm emotionally attached to him because I've been on that, you know, albeit truncated journey with him. Um, wins and losses. How about you though? Who are you looking forward to seeing this weekend, this coming well, coming card? Before I go down that, has he fought since then? Uh, since that KO win? Yeah. Mm. He hasn't. No, I he hasn't. He was, he was due to fight. He was due to fight Nicholas Dolby. That bout was cancelled. He was due to fight Nicholas Dolby again. That fight was cancelled. Mm. He was due to fight Tim Means that bout was cancelled. So, no, he's not fought since okay. his last win, and that was Salim Imadeev. That's what I thought, because I remember leading up to that, by people were, like, saying he was fighting for his job, and essentially he was because he dropped two, like you said. And then yeah. when he won, like, people were singing his praise. I'm like, yeah, that's that, that was a feel-good story. And then mm. I never saw him. <laughs> I was like, wait, did he get... I was worried that he did get cut. <laughs> and then, but apparently not. But um, the two fights... It's not even the fights in general, it's the fighters. Because mm. I don't think these are going to be competitive fights. I just, I think they're about to whoop these people's asses. First is Estella Nunes. She's a strawweight. She fought in one. Um, she, it didn't go her way. It did not go her way in one. But she, she, it was like, I forget who she fought. I think it was Christina Lee for her like first or second fight in one. It's like, all right, you fought for a world title against Christina Lee. And she still has her title. So it's like, not a bad loss. But she has some hands and but more importantly i like her kicks like her kicks are nice like the strawweight division needs some new blood and she's definitely um a rising a rising prospect and the other one is um I, her name is madden Faroe, i believe she's been on a she's been on a pretty good streak right now with yeah being awful motherfuckers and my, i think myra buena silva no disrespects is not that good of a fighter i at this level i think she came to the ufc a little too early and this is their way of saying it's time for you to go. This is literally the UFC just being like, you're out of here. Yeah. No, you're 100% on that. And um, if if we were picking two, yes, that would be my go-to for second um, fight to look out for. I am high on Manon Fura. I'm high on her because, you know, the, her last outing was spectacular. And I see it being replicated here. Because as you say, look, um, Breno Silva is not in her league, is not on her level. And um, I do see Manon Fiora coming in here and um, starching this girl. 
And she's a fighter, I think, if they gave her two to three years, could give Valentina some problems. Not right now, two to three, because Valentina has to get older and she has to mature. But at the end of that two to three, I think she would be able to win at least a round off of Valentina. <laughs> she could win a round, maybe two. Um, you know, I was going to violently disagree with you, but I, I, all that's kind of like etched in my mind was that she looked incredible in her last outing. And you're talking about two years off. Imagine, yeah, you might have a that's point. I see it. Imagine what she will look like two years on. Yeah, well, we haven't got long to wait. Two years will go by like nobody's business. But mm-hmm. I suppose that wraps up this episode of Shots Fired. Big shout out to G and big shout out to Chisanga Malata, both doing big things so they couldn't actually join us on this episode. But um, enjoy the fights this weekend, my brother. You too.